up everybody and welcome back to another episode of the knee on belly podcast we are your hosts nate and always here john and john today we are going to recap ufc nashville headlined by Corey sanhagen and rob font a uh, bit of an odd one not mm-hmm. well, not the fight everybody was maybe expecting We'll talk about it. Um, and then we're going to get you guys set up with our picks and predictions for this Saturday's UFC Fight Night, which is main evented by Vincente Luque versus RDA, Rafael Dos Anjos. And finally, all the news and happenings in and around the world of mixed martial arts and more, including some Jake Paul, Nate Diaz talk, a little mm-hmm. PFL talk, some 1FC. We're all across the board today, baby. <laughs> Big week yeah. in the world of combat sports, so there's a lot to talk about there. But, John, how are we doing? Episode 145 of the Neon Belly Podcast, the featherweight division mm-hmm. episode of the Neon Belly Podcast, or as some people are calling it, the number of miles in the Grand Union Canal Race episode of the Neon Belly Podcast. But that is neither here nor there. We're just glad you're listening as always. Yeah, man. I mean, Featherweight, one of my favorite fighters, Aldo. So I'm here for 145, baby. Absolutely. And uh, just got a call. I guess we can lead with this because literally before we fired it up, get a call from Sir Jacob Herlock himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess we can start there. I was hoping, I was hoping, oh, better turn the intro song off. <laughs> I was kind of hoping that I, well, we ended up losing connection, I think. I don't know. I think he has cricket, wireless. So, yeah. Something. <laughs> Somehow we lose connection, but I was going to keep him on the line just for us to start up this episode, um, but for reasons that we're going to discuss right now, and that is a big shout-out to both Gaha Fighters. Yes, sir. Gabe Urit and Jaden Gowdy, both uh, winning their fights this weekend by armbar. Yeah, both and both. <laughs> yeah, both by armbar, Jaden. Uh, winning, uh, Gabe taking the fight on like two weeks notice, mm-hmm. still showed up and made weight. Um, and then Jaden obviously winning, um, his first flyweight title. Um, it's, it's tough, man. Like it's crazy. Cause it's like, I'm sitting here. I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, we've been at Gaha now for what, like six or seven years. Um, I feel like when you look at like what a fighter, a modern day fighter is today, I feel like these two I wouldn't, you know, I don't want to use the word best fighters that Gaha has produced, but in terms of like two guys that just do everything right, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like they do yeah. everything that's asked of them, um, and they they keep showing up, they stay grinding, and they're they're young and they're putting it together, um, and it's really cool to see it on this amateur level. Mm-hmm. Um, really excited to see, you know, uh, whenever both of them decide to go pro, because I do think, you know, like I said, just since we've been a part of this gym, I feel like these two by far have you know uh the best shot of kind of making it to that next level right and you know in doing this we get to talk to and meet so many people on all levels right and to know guys that we've seen on a local circuit make it to the big show right you see certain characteristics and habits these guys have to have and just like you were saying these are two guys that we definitely see it in the gym every day that we're there absolutely and i mean that's no that's no disrespect to any gaha fighter that you know that's ever fought under the gym before i mean even our uh, not even just our best friend, our brother, Damien Smoke Dino, right. right? Is one of these that we're talking about. But it's almost like a lot of these guys, like it was a learning thing, you know? Yeah. And like Jacob has done the best he can, he could. And then now he's just gotten it the whole, I mean, there's a system, yeah, right? The there's whole a program. There's a better. program yeah. now. Like there's a reason behind the training. It's focused. It's, uh, and you know, with Matt helping out there as well too. And um, it's just really cool to see. And then mm-hmm. now to see, you know, two undefeated Gaha guys that, you know, just look like absolute yeah, monsters. Fruits of your labor is there, man. I, uh, For sure. I'm definitely interested to see where they go from here. Absolutely. So congrats to those two young guys. And, I mean, there's other guys that are getting ready, you mm-hmm. know, that I think are going to be on this same level. But, again, it's learning, making mistakes to some of these other, you know, past fighters that, you know, now there's a system. Like, you can't just walk in the gym anymore and say, hey, I want to fight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're like, well, you, got, you know, we're you watching guys who that. are recovering from injuries and, sure. you know, making it through the weight cuts and, and coming out still looking great. So, yeah. obviously, the program works. When you see guys like this do this, hopefully other guys see it, buy in. You know, I think that's kind of what 
what the whole uh, idea is, and these are just really good examples of that. Absolutely. Uh, John, we got to get into the episode. Rate, sub, follow, let the people know. All right, everybody who's listening, that means you're on Spotify, Apple Podcast, uh, a slew of other optional platforms. Um, If on that platform it does give you uh, a chance to rate us, if you give us five stars, that would help us out a lot, put us up in different algorithms, put us um, in a better place to get more listeners. If you have Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a review. We'd like to read those on here. Pretty much say whatever you want. Um, we just really love the uh, interaction. Uh, Neon Belly Podcast on Instagram, on TikTok, on YouTube. Um, Neon Belly Pod on Twitter. We were active on there last night. So jump in, have some fun with us, man. We enjoy it. And yeah. Best believe if Jacob Herlock calls back, I'm answering that phone call. I don't yeah. care what we're talking about. So <laughs> Sorry, San Hagen. You have to wait. Yeah. Just so you know off top, if the phone rings and it's him, it's getting answered. Mm-hmm. John, let's get to it. This past Saturday, UFC Nashville and in our main event, Corey Sanhagen defeats Rob Font via unanimous decision. And look, man, like let's just say, is this one okay, so let me let me yeah. say I know there's a lot of yeah. criticism flying around for this one. And is look, is this here's what I'm thinking today, as I've I've been able to digest it a bit. Is this a fight that we're going to go back and remember, or, or not remember, but we're going to go back and watch, and it's going to, you know, there's this, like, Corey Sanhagen's finest, you know, highlight reel stuff, you know, probably not, like, if we're being honest, mm-hmm. but I think this is the type of performance that you remember from Corey Sanhagen, mm-hmm. um, because we all now know he is capable of putting on this type of grappling performance if you're not on an equal or better level to him. Exactly. And you have to remember for Corey... This was a last-minute fight for him as well, you know, mm-hmm. and he was preparing for a grappling-heavy matchup with Umar Nurmagomedov. Is it Umar? Yeah. Usman's yeah. and I always get them confused. Yeah. I'm never and it gonna, was catchweight. And it was a catchweight. Yeah, but even still, like, he was preparing for right. it. Right. You know, um... And now that Sanhagen is back on the cusp of another title shot, right? He's mm-hmm. right here. He's gotten himself back in this spot. I don't think he was just going to let it slip through his hands. And I know fans are upset about it. And apparently Dana White, uh, you sent the the tweet that he had walked out yeah, in round four. Um, you know, I think if anything, you could make the argument um, with so much control time, you would have liked to seen Corey go for the finish. And I agree mm-hmm. with that. There was a lot of times where... I'll be honest, it did seem like Corey was just trying to hold Rob Font down. Didn't seem like he was real um, motivated to finish at times. Maybe a little bit there towards the end, he really mm-hmm. went for the submission. But I felt like he could do that the whole time. Um, but I don't know, man. I just also think sometimes these things happen when you book last-minute mm-hmm. fights. It ha- it's going Weird stuff happens. Well, let me ask you this. How much of some of that that inactivity was due to Rob constantly looking for a sweep? And keeping that butterfly hook in and not letting him get into these positions where he could even land his ground and pound. Well, see, I think that's a little bit of it, too. I I think some of the responsibility defensively has to fall on Rob Fon as well, not being able to get up. Now, in the early rounds of this fight, Rob was doing a good job, I thought, from bottom, right? Mm -hmm. Utilizing sweeps, you know, locking up those Kimuras just to try to use them to sweep to get up. I thought he did a lot of really good stuff from the bottom. And I'm like, okay, we got a real fight here because you could tell from the beginning that Corey wanted this fight fight on the mat and I get it again he's in a big spot in a main event on ESPN against a dangerous guy with a title shot in the background right Mm -hmm. um so I do get it um but as the fight went on I felt like you know especially in those later rounds I think Rob mentally was probably a little defeated physically feeling a little defeated um and and completely understandable right Mm -hmm. but yeah I do think especially as the fight went on there is a little bit of responsibility that does fall on Rob too where um defensively I don't think he was necessarily doing it everything he could to get up yeah and well, whether that's a lack of skill or like i said he just not realized, pivoting off the game plan and just realized it wasn't his night i don't yeah, know because like he he constantly went for sweeps but in the middle of the the cage whereas you seen when he did finally get up against the cage he was yeah. able to get up a lot easier yeah. so maybe round three four and five you pivot to hey let's try to work our way over to the cage instead of you know holding one butterfly hook and he has his underhook so i right. can't even sweep him if i wanted to sure yeah, I just think it's a lot of criticism at court. And and here's the thing. Maybe I would be sitting here today criticizing a little bit more if Corey Sanhagen had, was preparing for three months to face Rob Font. Mm-hmm. But we also had this same thing with Corey in the Cheeto fight, right? Where everybody thought what it was going to be, and it didn't exactly turn out because, as we talked about last week, Corey's been using a more grappling-heavy approach. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So Well, and... 
listen, if at this point, barring you know Aljamain moving up, if you want to be the champ, you have to be able to beat what beat him before. Yeah. And since that fight, what has he done? He's added a whole other thing into his book where he said, right. and he said this post fight too is, I want to be able to out wrestle the strikers and out strike the wrestlers, and right. this is how you do that. Yeah, I mean, is this going like again? Yeah, is this going to be? What we see from him every fight, no. And maybe he would have struck more with an Umar, you know, who maybe would have looked to grapple more with him. But, Mm -hmm. again, I'm sure wrestling, even defensively, was a big part of this camp for Corey Sanhagen. So, I'm sure he was tuned up for it. Um, But, yeah, you kind of just said it there. You know, the difference between this version of Sanhagen and the Sanhagen who fought Jan is this newfound grappling game. And I think in the past where he would have put himself at risk by doing something big, crazy, dynamic, striking technique, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of doing the big, crazy knees, he's now level changing to get the fight down, right? Like where you look at the Frankie, he pulled Frankie into that knee. Mm -hmm. How many times last night did he pull Rob Font and then he level changed instead of throwing some crazy, you know, he's not going to put himself at risk. And to me, that's growth as a fighter. It's gamesmanship, man. And whether it's exciting or not, like you have to respect it to some degree. You know, he's been on the mountaintop and failed. Um He's identified this hole in his game, and he's addressed it. I mean, and and I get we all want to see Corey who's switching stances and throwing the crazy knees and kicks, but clearly he's seen it doesn't win world titles, and I think for him that's where he is in his career, and that's what he wants. Right. Well, and look at the top. You, do you think you're going to get away with not wrestling or having some type of grappling against uh, Cejudo, Marab, or Aljamain? Yeah. No. Yeah, I mean, obviously, is. Sean O'Malley, but even then, do you want to keep on standing up and playing with Sean O'Malley? No, you want the option to be able to negate some of that. Right. Um, I said on Twitter something that I thought was interesting is it kind of reminds me of GSP where he didn't have this like big A-game wrinkle to his game, mm-hmm. loses a fight, and then next thing you Adds know, it. he's one of the more prolific persons at that uh, area in wrestling. Yeah, it is an interesting, you know, you kind of just said that, and like, man, when you really think at the top of this 135-pound division, even a guy like Umar who's not there in the ring, rankings yet but many see him as a future title contender mm-hmm. possibly even world champion yeah in this division you gotta wrestle Ricky now, Simone yeah and it was uh, a clear uh, problem for Sanhagen you yeah. know and so uh, yeah I'm like I, I get when you hear Sanhagen Rob Font everybody gets excited because you think it's gonna be this like crazy war and hey respect to Corey man he was like yeah this ain't gonna be that dog I got a title to get back well to. <laughs> and, you know it, one thing I said I tweeted this as well is we thought we were gonna get a stand-up master class but we kind of got a you know especially the first two rounds the grappling exchanges were great yeah and even the wrestling that Corey was using this isn't just regular blast doubles yeah he's getting angles he's changing the way he's um, getting the singles um, he was able to get to it whenever he wanted mm-hmm. like these are levels of it's not that Rob Font isn't good at this no it's that Corey has gotten so great at it well and it's interesting you say that because I even felt like in Rob's corner right I feel like the message I don't feel like it was like he just wants to hold you down man clear you know whatever they were like dude what is wrong what's up like you know what I mean like they were putting that responsibility on Rob and that's why I was kind of saying too is I think some of that does fall on him as well because I felt like um, his team there felt like he had the has the ability to get up and Mm -hmm. do more than what he did or showed in the fight because they weren't trying to say like you know He's taking, you know, the easy way or he's right. just taking you down. You know, they're they're like, dude, what's up? Yeah, what's why going can't on? You get what, up? Yeah, what's going on? Like, yeah. you know, because they know how good Rob Vaughn is. Right. And and he w- is capable usually of getting out of spots like and that. And I think this is going to be the fight that we reference when, when Corey fights somebody who's wrestling isn't better than his. We'll say, hey. That's, yeah. You know, this is now this is that example. And now. That's why I said this is a performance you remember. Right. Because if you're not up to snuff and you're not on that level, this is what's going to happen, man. Right. And, you know, now he, but you know how you're saying how he would pull people into knees and now he's pulling them into takedowns yeah next time you fight him you don't know which one yeah. you're getting pulled into yeah. you're gonna get put to sleep or put on your back well speaking of world titles and all that stuff for Sanhagen, he is a winner of his last three and those three in those three fights i mean he has beat song yadong marlon chito vera and now rob font um in your opinion is that enough to make Corey Sanhagen next for the title as he said after aljo and o'malley face off in two weeks you know that's a, that's a hot three run right there. You yeah. Know, those three names are pretty crazy. Well, you have that, and then you, you don't know what's going to happen after the title fight, depending on who wins. You still yeah. have Marab there, but he's basically going to sit until what hap- whatever shakes out with Aljo. So the UFC, you know, we've seen them favor guys who are active and, sure. you know, or do stuff for them like this where you're, 
you know, you took Umar, that was a gift for them. Then you're able to, you're willing to take Rob Font, another gift for them. So, you know, if Aljo wins and he vacates, you could easily see him and Marab. I think that's the perfect fight to make. Yeah. But if, you know, Sean O'Malley wins, I think that there is some parity there for Corey Sanhagen to get a shot. Yeah, I think Marab is the only one who has a better case at this point. Um, but obviously, he's still recovering from the injury. So if he isn't ready to go next time around, the bantamweight title is ready to be competed for. I think Corey has to be mm-hmm. the guy. Like there is nobody else. I mean, yeah, you could throw Cejudo's name in there if like if O'Malley's holding the title. But you know, to take that at this point from a Corey Sanhagen would be a little. I mean. I'm not saying they're not above that, but it would be kind of sucky to take it from Corey. Um, and one thing, too, is worth mentioning. After the Cheeto fight, if I remember, Corey Sanhagen said in the cage that he would never take that title opportunity away from Marab. He felt like he deserved it, but said that he would fight Marab. Right. He's like, I'll fight you for it. You know, I wouldn't, I will, I don't, because I think he said, like, I'm not going to call for the title shot because um, I don't think it's fair, you know, to put myself above mm-hmm. Marab, but I would love to face Marab. Um, so I could see a world where maybe those two face off for that number one contender status depending on what happens right. in two or weeks. vacant or know. vacant yeah um and you know now that i say that though there's also this element of the how this fight went and dana leaving and we've seen when he gets disappointed yeah. too so it could be up it could be up for grabs depending on who's healthy and who's available yeah um and who wins this uh title fight coming up and look i get it on b on big espn on a big night where you have you know the paul diaz and all this stuff going on i understand probably frustration for dana a little bit there and especially with a guy like Corey who as I said, you know, if you've watched his performances, this is what we're starting to see, a more wrestling-heavy approach. Not to this level, um, mm-hmm. but, man, he saw it as an opportunity, and to me, I'm more sitting here like I'm looking at it as I'm praising the fight IQ, whether I think it's a fun fight to watch or not. Again, like I said, this isn't one that I'm going to go back and like, re-watch, mm-hmm. um, but you're going to go back and you're going to look at these numbers and be like, man, to do that against a guy like Rob Font, is impressive um so yeah i'm just like sitting here more like i'm praising the growth the fight iq um everything from Corey sanhagen you know i think the dominance that we've seen him assert on the feet you know even in that song Dong fight where he was kind of starting to lean into those takedowns i mean he just put on a master class on the feet against mm-hmm. song Dong. he just did it on the ground here in yeah. dominant fashion so I know, like I said, I get a lot of people the frustration because the two names on the the name, you know, the mm-hmm. fight. But remember, last minute nature, and again, if Corey was training for this fight specifically, maybe I'd feel a different type of way about it. But again, mm-hmm. he's right. Like I said, he's right on the cusp of a title. You can't get mad. Yeah, about and it. you know, like you said, you know, there is a side of it to where if. If Corey's able to just get into a regular guard or even get to half guard, maybe he lands more, tries more. Uh, Rob Font did a good job of holding a certain position, but you know, at a certain point, all you could do is keep on. I mean, if he's not going to get you off of him, yeah, you know, take your win, man, because you, like you said, last minute, you know, a lot on the line here. He was already risking so much with Umar, but now even more, yeah. this last minute guy could come in and take your title shot if he wins sure. this. So, you know, you got to win. That's the other thing too for Dana is like, you know, you can be mad and walk out, but remember, this is the only guy raising his hand and then ranked inside the top five that said i will face umar Nurmagomedov." so remember don't forget that let's not let's not you know let's not have short-term memory here this guy's a a, he's a badass man Mm -hmm. like you know what i mean and john in our co-main event tatiana suarez defeats jessica andrage via second round guillotine I mean, I think she is her. That's what I think about Tatiana Suarez, John. I think Tatiana is showing why we were so excited to see her back and see her healthy. Um, You know, every time that we would talk about these women divisions, um, even since we've started the podcast when she wasn't healthy, we were always bringing up her name like, yeah, but don't forget when Tantiana comes back, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And this is why, right? Um, really made it look easy here against an always game, always tough Jessica Andrade. She's still dangerous like we talked about last week. Um, and she remains undefeated moving to 11-0. and And the fact that Andrade was ranked number five, uh, you have to believe that she will now be entering that top five of this U- uh, UFC women's strawweight division. Yeah, I mean... Well, I mean, you can't. There's really nothing to say here. I mean, first of all, I'm glad I drafted her on my team. She was my female fighter. Oh, was she? Yeah, yeah. So these are two wins for me. But I mean, to, you get that choke in with not even having yeah. your hand all the way in. Um, yeah. All the adjustments. I mean, even in the striking, you know, she was throwing good body kicks. She was there. Yeah. Takedowns were there whenever she wanted. I mean, we just don't see. 
we just don't see somebody do this to somebody like a Jessica Andrade. Because right. even in her losses, you know, the Blanchfield loss was tough, but you think, oh, man, maybe it's the weight changes. And then now, you know, three in a row, obviously you're seeing just a, an advancement in these divisions now with some of these other women. Yeah, Blanchfield would be the only other one, you know, in terms of just dominance. And, and But I would put those those two in the same mm-hmm. category. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's really hard not to be bullish on Suarez today. Um Genuinely, I think that she ha- I think she has a chance to become the second UFC female fighter to hold double champ status. Yeah. Um, but I think she needs to go now, right? Like we've talked about it with Suarez, is she's got a lot of time to make up for, but she's hot. I mean, this mm-hmm. is she is on fire right now um, because she is a bigger 115 pounder as well. So I don't know how long she can make this weight class. I don't know how hard it is for her to make this weight. Um, but, you know, given the fact that even in her comeback fight, right, she intentionally took it at the flyweight division because she's like, I just don't want to worry about the weight cut. I just want right. to focus on coming back fighting and being as healthy as possible. So that does kind of tell me that it is a bit of a struggle. It's a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she's got to worry right. about it. Um, but, I, you know, I think here's if I'm Suarez, I'm talking to the UFC like, I'm thinking one more than a title shot. Like yeah. what what gets me after my next fight to a title? We know Zhang Wei Li is taking on Amanda Limoges in two weeks on that uh, Aljo's uh, mm-hmm. San Hagen or uh, excuse me Aljo O'Malley fight. Um, so I think if you're Tantiana, you need a fight like Rose Namajunas or Zhang Wei Li next. You beat one of those ladies, and there's no denying a title shot for her. You know, denying her a title shot. Yeah, I think. Um um, who who else was I thinking? Oh, Yan Xiaonan. I think she's booked though, so I think Rose is, is probably she? the only. Yeah, she's supposed to be fighting in. Um, I'm pretty sure she has an opponent. I, don't I thought think she so. did. If not, I mean that's the perfect person because I thought her and Wei Li in China made a lot of sense, but that's not what happened. But no, because everybody was saying Yan should have fought, and I still agree. I think Yan should have fought over Limoges. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Her, no, she her is Rose. Not, okay. Yan Xiaonan is not booked. Yeah, her and Rose would be the. Um, I didn't think so. Well, no, Rose is booked against um, Anon. So I think Jan makes the most sense. Rose is booked? Yeah, she's fighting in... Um, hold on, let me click back on it. I didn't know that either. They have her against uh, that Manon Farah in September. Uh, you, oh, Manon Fior. Um, Fior, yeah, sorry. September 2nd. I think that's the uh, Paris card. I, I didn't think. see... That would make a lot of sense. I mean, Manon uh, being French, that would make a ton of sense. Yeah. I'm not down... Oh, she's moving up to flyweight. That's right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's moving. That's why I didn't understand the Manon Fior thing. Yeah. But, I mean, Yan Shanon makes the most sense. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess there you go. That kind of, like, settles it right there. If, if Rose is moving up to 125 pounds, uh, you can take that off my bingo card. I yeah, think. Yeah, because Carla's still out. Well, and, and Tantiana's already beat Carla. They, right. She has a head-to-head win over Carla Esparza. So, you know, there's not much there in terms of, you know, wanting to see that necessarily again because I see that fight going very similar. Right. And I think Tantiana's striking has gotten even better since that fight, and that would be a big issue for Esparza. So, yeah, man, I think Yan Chownown versus Tantiana Suarez, number one contender. And then if you're Tantiana, you win that, go get your title shot and then get up and wait mm-hmm. and go for that double champ status because once she has that belt, that 115 belt she'll hold all the chips she doesn't have to come in and take a fight at 25 you just set up the super fight right Mm -hmm. the 115 pound champ versus the 125 pound champ have we ever even seen that i can't think off of no has did whaley ever go challenge for shevchenko while she was champ Mm. can't remember i can't remember either but but still, you know, it's kind of like the whole Volk, Volk right? Like, right. you can just, when you're a champion, you can take those super fights. And Tantiana, to be able to simultaneously hold two belts, you got to go for it. Mm-hmm. But you got to go now, you yeah. know, I feel like for her. So The only other matchup, which it doesn't make sense on her trajectory, but I would love to see her and Dern just because of the grappling exchanges. But Dern is at like a seven. Yeah. So at this point, beating number five, I mean, that could be there in the future. Yeah, it just doesn't interest yeah. me. I, I, man, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That that would I just don't see it being I think there's just a big difference with a, a lady like Tantiana and just mm-hmm. the, the trajectory that she's on and um I think she's kind of even past Dern. I mean the jujitsu is always gonna be a thing, but right. outside of that I don't know what more she would offer. And you know, that's kind of the struggle for McKenzie a little bit, man, is we just she's just not taking that next level in the striking game. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? And it's like it just I know she works on it, but it's like it's just she hasn't really 
she's taking little small steps, but not right. what you would want to see to beat somebody like Tatiana. She would have to have, especially as good on the ground as Tatiana is, she'd have to have more than just her jujitsu in a fight like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Moving into things, there's a lot of great matchups with her in both divisions uh, toward the top. So definitely hope she keeps on moving up. Next fight. Dustin Jacoby defeats Kennedy and Jekyll via first round knockout. Big right hand lands flush for Jacoby and down goes in Jekyll. I don't want to take anything away from Jacoby um, because it may not have mattered anyways. Right. But man, that stoppage did clean shot, precise, clean beautiful shot there by Jacoby again that's why I don't want to take anything away um and I don't know that it would have mattered but man that stoppage did feel a little bit fast it almost felt a lot of bit fast because I feel like we've seen Kennedy take a lot of damage yeah. in fights and come back and win yeah we've seen him staggering on his feet and still hurt people yeah and here's the thing Dustin Jacoby is one of the most decorated strikers in all the UFC let alone the light heavyweight division yeah so you think like you know kind of like a Pajeda thing like you may keep him out of danger if you you know get him out of there earlier but for somebody like Kennedy to be basically looking at the ref as he's stopping it yeah, just, and get up it's it and we were talked about it last night fights kind of dragged on so it's like man I'd like to be more mad about this but you know it's starting to get late so it was one of those things to where it's like you know like you said could it have just ended 30 seconds after that? Right. For sure. But you love to see somebody like Kennedy, who's such a good guy, who's had such a great story and build up to this point, um, to, to try to get into the top 15 to get a little bit more of a chance to, yeah, to no, show for himself. I, I 100% agree. I don't know that it would have mattered because it was just a beautiful right hand by Jacoby, beautifully timed, um, kind of using Jekyll's momentum against him a little bit as he was coming in and just step back and fire that right hand mm -hmm. uh that that kind of right cross but yeah it, it did look a little early for me man mm -hmm. I, i'm not gonna lie and i'm somebody that typically doesn't criticize that a whole lot but i didn't see a whole lot from injekawu that told me that he couldn't have held on at least for a couple more seconds right just let it play out like let's just make sure that you know he was gonna go out there or that he he wasn't gonna fight back it's like he, just, he never went even went flat yeah no he was just Fell kind of on his, his butt, hip yeah really kind of hip yeah it was just it was just a little weird yeah. um and i know that jacoby had mentioned he won someone in the top 10 specifically made uh named vulcan ozdemir but ozdemir is booked with uh uh merzakadon merzakadon uh no i know how to say that guy's name like what's his first name oh uh, i don't have to click on it i think it's merzakadon uh, but anyway, so they're both booked because they're both ranked right. above him as well. Um, and that's kind of the case for most of this light heavyweight division. You do have Dominic Reyes sitting there at 12, who is technically above Jacoby, not inside the top 10. Um, but like I said, a lot of those guys from like 10 to like 7 or 6 are booked. So mm -hmm. he's going to have a hard time breaking into that top 10 right now. Um, but I'm not sure, you know, what's going on with Dominic Reyes. Um, and if, you know, even what his appetite is for fighting, I remember after his last loss, he was kind of in limbo a little bit about it. Right. Um, but to me, that's a fight that could make a ton of sense if Reyes, you know, wants to still be around, but if not, we got to get him out of the rankings, right? Because right. he's occupying a, a, a spot pretty high up there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the only guys that aren't booked are five and six with Alexander Rakic, who's coming back from injury and Nikita Krolov. But if you're both of those guys, I don't know if you want to jump like, try to fight the guy who's at 14 15 uh, Alonzo Minifield is 14 and he's coming off a win so I don't know if maybe you keep that close he's still fighting up at that point and not fighting back but oh Azamat Mirzakhanov he's okay. fighting uh, Ozdemir's fighting Mirzakhanov yeah. yeah and then obviously um Jacoby and um is it is he does he train with Anthony Smith or Ryan Spann who um Justin Jacoby Anthony Smith. Okay. So that kind of the same thing like that eliminates Smith, which Smith's scheduled to face Spann, Ryan Spann. Yeah. Because I thought like <clears throat> you know Ryan Spann and, and Jekawu are teammates right. at Fortis, so I was like, oh, like that was my first thought. Like, you know, Spann's got to go get his boy back. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But yeah, they're booked, so that 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 wouldn't make sense. But again, if Dominic Reyes is there and wants to fight, I think Dominic Reyes and D Justin Jacoby be a fun stand up fight. Mm -hmm. I think it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I, I think that. If uh, and maybe he's available for a step in if Ozdemir or somebody gets hurt or something like that. That's a situation yeah. that maybe he could be ready for. But yeah, I mean, good showing for Dustin Jacoby, man. He's um, he's done this thing where I feel like he's kind of stuck around this area, and now he's starting he's getting to better. Get a little bit of steam, man. And yeah. It's getting it's getting troublesome for some of these guys. I I couldn't agree more. Um, another guy that's getting steam, and I'm excited to talk Ooh, about hey. Diego Lopez. 
defeats Gavin Tucker via first round armbar slash triangle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know which one he got. I really don't know which one he tapped. It's called to. a triangle choke with armbar. Yeah, there's I only been there was only ten of them until last night where there was eleven, but the tenth person to do it um, was somebody on the. Uh, I think it was that. Barcelos, but somebody on the undercard did it before at the tenth, and then he just did yeah, it. Yeah, like, I don't even know. It was. Like, I tried to watch it like three or four times over, and I'm like, man, I don't know which one he tapped to because they both had to be super tight. Um, but let's start first by acknowledging that Lopez had to over overcome one of the worst cup shots I think that oh. we've seen in a while. That was. Horrid, it's like taking man. like a golf driver straight oh, to the junk. Oh, dude, man. just square. I mean, the sound of it, even the way he reacted to it was horrible. Um, but then once they reset, jumps into like that flying triangle position and gets him down. Um, and I think what I was more impressed with, and I don't know if most people really understand um, this, was just the strength by Lopez to literally pull Tucker into that uh, triangle a little bit there. Um, that dude could probably break cinder blocks between his legs. Oh, I mean, that squeeze on the legs. You're squeezing and adjusting. You're switching the side of it. Because yeah. originally he just threw it on to hold him, and then he yeah. switches the side of the triangle and... And to keep pulling him into it and make adjustments. Yeah. Jeez, and then, man. well, yeah. And then just exactly what you just said, you know, not just to squeeze the legs and have that type of a squeeze, but then to go two on one on that wrist and essentially just pulled Tucker <laughs> into the core is probably ridiculous. <laughs> Literally just pulls him into the triangle. Um, it's just very high level stuff, guys. I mean, I can't mm -hmm. say it any other way. It shows a lot of strength, um, as well as a lot of strength off his back, nonetheless, right? Yeah. To be able to generate that kind of power and, and pulling somebody in like that and to hold him into that position. Um, because you see guys get the legs upright, and, and now everybody's so good at defending arm bars and triangles. A lot of times, the opponent just throws the legs to the side, but man, not Diego no. Lopez. Those bangs got something going. There's something going on in those bangs. Somebody man. on Twitter called him Diego, my chemical Lopez. Man, man I was here for it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. What do you make of this guy? Uh, makes, uh, yeah, just what are your thoughts? I guess I'll run through it real quick. I wrote some stuff down. Makes his UFC debut back in May, replacing Bryce Mitchell against Mavzari Voyov on like one week notice, if I remember. And gets um, close. Now here he is in this spot. Um, and to be facing a tough veteran, a UFC veteran as well, and Gavin Tucker. Remember, Gavin Tucker is a guy that has seven fights in the UFC. Mm -hmm. Um, and Tucker has faced some pretty high level guys as well. Right. Um, I think as recently, I think he just fought Dan Ige. Yeah, he long. lost to Dan Ige. He's fought Billy Q. Yeah. Um, who looked great last night right. as well. He's definitely fought a couple of really good guys, man. I, I definitely think Lopez is one to watch in this division, and he offers something with, and, and division is in this 145-pound division. For people that don't know, he's a featherweight. Um, but he offers something with the high-level jiu-jitsu that I just don't think is, I think it's unrivaled. I mean, other than like maybe a Bryce Mitchell, um, I don't know who else is really just slapping stuff on the way Diego Lopez yeah, is. Man. And guys, I can't, again, losing my mind, like that Mobsari Vloyov fight, like, come on, dude. I've seen people say he feels like, they feel like, based off like this, if he gets a full camp, maybe he beats Mavzar, because it, it got close in that it fight. It was really close. A, a in the striking and in the grappling. And Ivoyov is like the boogeyman right now right. in that division. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, the guy, I don't think either guy landed a full strike outside the cup shot, and, yeah. you know, it still ends like this. I think, um... It, it, it makes you understand like how Garasso was able to you know finish somebody like Shevchenko because that's her jujitsu jiu coach yes. and it just lets you know what they got brewing over there man yeah. it's just scary hours on the mat with these type of people in that camp yeah no I couldn't agree more man I, I think he's the real deal I think he's somebody that we are going to be talking about for a long time and um, he might make Brandon grow the bangs back man I mean Gosh, yeah, that never, would be awesome. Would only the bangs. Yeah, just the bangs. Keep Still everything else in shape. Yeah, yeah just, just, just grow the bangs. <laughs> uh, the Pugsley Adams. That's what oh, I yeah. call it. That's all we're going to recap, unless you had any other results or fights that stood out to you uh, from the night. Oh, man. I, uh, how do you say it? Alexa Kamor's chin. Cameron's oh, chin. Oh, Kamir. Kamir. Alexa Kamir's chin. I think it was chin. Alexi Kamir. Tanner Bozer might have hit him with a thousand yeah, clean hooks. Tanner Bozer making 205 still is crazy to me. Dude, but I to, think he can make 185. Right. But the, to land that the way he lands. Yeah. Um, and I mean, um, that Alexa, is it Alexis or Alexa? I'd have to look at his name. Or he, I mean, he's Stipe's main training partner, yeah. so obviously he's getting rounds in with one of the best. Yeah. But, man, the way he was able to eat them shots. No, big win for Tanner Bozer. I'm glad you brought that one up. I, I – 
I mean, he definitely looks more at home at 205. And, I mean, for a guy like him, yeah, you literally can't do any more there to try to finish the fight. I mean, I think you even said that. Like, what more can Bozo yeah. really do? I mean, the only thing he didn't do is the Derek Lewis flying knee, and maybe that's yeah. what it would have took. But <laughs> yeah. A lot of really good finishes on the undercard, yeah. or a lot of good fights back and forth as well. But uh, I think Tanner Bozer is probably the one who needed a little bit of love. Biggest winner from last night. Biggest winner. For me, um, <clears throat> Honestly, I'm going to say Tatiana, man. I think she's put, being undefeated, being able to do both weight classes. I think she puts herself in a situation to where she doesn't have to wait to see how certain things pan out if an opportunity comes yeah. up. I'm, 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 I, I agree. I think Tatiana has to be in there. I'm trying to think of one a little different, though. I'm going to kind of go two. Um, and one is a stretch, but the first one I'm going to say is Diego Lopez. I think yeah. his stock just went through the roof last night. Um, I, I think, you know, he's gotten the attention of Dana White, which is always a good thing. Mm -hmm. And I think big fights, I think they're going to move Diego Lopez along pretty fast. And I, yeah. and I think, it's, I think he's worthy of that distinction. So I'd throw him. This is the one I think is a little stretch, but I'm trying to go a little unorthodox here. Biggest winner, Al Jermaine Sterling. Do you want to know why? Let's hear it. Because I think Aljo has gotten so much. I mean, dude, again, we talk about the last Aljo clip on our social media. Go read those comments. Uh, boring fighter. He sucks. He just wins. So I think what Corey Sanhagen did last night might actually take a little heat off of Aljo in a lot of fans' eyes. And I <laughs> Aljo feel like, even tweeted about it. I feel like Corey might have just made himself like public enemy number one in this uh, division. Um, so I think, and then Aljo to sit there cage side, and he was kind of able to be a little critical there, mm -hmm. like how boring it was. And he stuff said, like, I don't want to hear anybody say anything about me and Marab being boring ever again. Yeah, it's kind of funny, man. I feel like Aljo got a little cool points last night, maybe. Well, and, <laughs> and I think it just, uh, you know, on a deeper level, it you know sometimes we see champions the that affect the skill set of the contenders, yeah. where they have to get ready for X Y Z, yeah. And you're seeing this, Aljamain, what he's been able to do as far as getting the people's back and, and grapple them, yeah. is making somebody like Corey Sanhagen become a top five, top six wrestler in a division because he yeah. has to because of the skill set up there. Who's your biggest loser? Um. Got to be Andrade. This is she called for. Oh, I get to call my shot at two different divisions and has done nothing but lose since yeah. then. Three in a row in two different divisions. Couldn't agree more. It, it's Jessica Andrade, unfortunately, and and I agree, man. It, it is wild. We talked about it last week. She was heading in. Was it the Yan Chownown fight mm -hmm. that she was heading in? And we're talking about yeah, or Blanchfield, or Blanchfield, yeah, Aaron Blanchfield. Sorry, yes, Aaron Blanchfield fight. Um, and it was all about title shots. And then now to see her, you know, three straight losses and. Man, kind of spinning the tires a bit now, like where, what weight class and all this stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't even know when you're Jessica Andrade where you go from here. She's going to really have to do some soul searching, man, and maybe just take some time and kind of work on some of these, you know, holes and things in mm -hmm. her game. And like I said, I think I might have said it last week, but I feel like somewhere something just hasn't improved and she's became a little too one dimensional, a little too reliant on that power. And I think mm -hmm. she needs to add a little wrinkle, something in the takedowns or something to her game to really get her back on track. Cause she is tough, man. I yeah. mean, she's still, the power is not going to go anywhere. Right. So, um, last one, John, one fight to make after UFC Nashville last night. Mm. If you had to make one, if I had to make one, um, Maybe it might be. I, I mean, I would love to see Corey Sanhagen and Marab. Yeah. I think that's that's the easiest one off the top of my head. I mean, there's good fights, like we said, for Dustin Jacoby as a striker, but he'd have to move up a lot to get to those. Um, and then Diego Lopez, I'd love to see him against Bryce Mitchell. That maybe. was mine, actually. That's funny. That's so <laughs> wild. I, I was going to say uh, Sanhagen. I wrote down Sanhagen, Marab, but I figured you might say that one. Um, so I was going to go different. I was going to say... Lopez and, yeah. and and Bryce, man. I know that. I don't think Bryce would take that fight. It seems like he only wants people ahead of him, and I get that. Right. Um, but if you could get Bryce Mitchell to take that fight, I think that matchup would be fascinating. He tweeted about. He's like, man, I wish I could be fighting on this Nashville card because it looks so crazy. Because the crowd was yeah, that was a was great, very good, very good crowd out there in Nashville. But yeah, I I think, and I don't think that's a bit. I think they're gonna push Lopez fast, man. I think I wouldn't be shocked if his next fight they're trying to find somebody in the top fifteen to fight him. Mm -hmm. Quick update on our scores, John. I am still in first place with 67 brandon making up a little steam last night with 58 and you are in last place with 50 
two. Yep. How are you feeling down there? You're starting to let Brandon get away from you. Yeah, I mean, it's hard when you're picking the results. Like, I picked both winners. We all picked both winners. We all picked the same people. It just, you never know how things are going to uh, turn out. But we have some big pay-per-views coming up to go throughout the rest of the year. So there's a lot of opportunity out there. Well, let us move to your next opportunity here, John. And that is this Saturday live from the UFC Apex with a 7 p.m. Eastern Standard start time in our main event and in the welterweight division. Number 10, Vincente Luque versus the number nine ranked lightweight. Rafael Dos Anjos, he is unranked for what it's worth at welterweight. Luque is returning after an almost one-year layoff to the date. Um, and for the second time in his career, Luque comes into a fight with back-to-back losses. His last two were against Bilal Muhammad and most recently to Jeff Neal in August of last year where Neal landed, uh, or handed, excuse me, Luque the first TKO loss of his career. Mm-hmm. His opponent and former lightweight champion Rafael Dos Anjos comes into this fight off his second round submission mission victory over Bryant Barberina back in December. RDA is a winner of three in his last four. All three wins at different weights worth mentioning too. Barberina at 70, Moicano at 160, and Paul Felder at 155. So, so crazy. Paul Felder was just three fights ago for RDA, but he had that long layoff back mm-hmm. in COVID. Um, I think it was almost, I think he didn't fight for like a year. That was in 2022 yeah, for Paul Felder. Yeah, that was a long so. time ago, man. Um, but So not super active there for RDA. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, I think he had like COVID and a couple injuries maybe. Um, but he returns here to welterweight division to take on a guy I still consider to be one of the top, if not the elite um, in this division. John, who do you like? Man, you know what? The, when I look at this, first of all, I thought RDA had a better shot at 55 just with his size compared to some of these guys at 170. No, he's fought there before, but I think the 170 is kind of filled out to a point to where this is going to be real dangerous for him. Um, and especially with Luke because Luke does have such a good ground game on top of being able to land big strikes. And I think even the the level of opponent outside of Fizee for um, RDA doesn't really compare to the last two with Bilal and Jeff Neal for Luke, especially at 170. Um, I think RDA is going to struggle to get this down because Luke has the threats of the submission. And I think Luke just has um, a better chance at getting the striking advantage, being the bigger guy, um, and then ha- even taking this time off. I mean, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. It's hard to tell. But neither guy has been really active, so I don't think there's anybody who gets the edge there. But I'm going to go with Vincente Luque, and I'm going to say third-round TKO. Yeah, I'm agreeing. I like Luque here, but it's not going to be easy. I think that Mm -hmm. is worth mentioning. You know, one reason RDA has had so much success here late in his career, and especially in these last three wins, is the elevation in his wrestling game. Kind of like what we've talked with Sanhagen a little bit. Um, And Luque is so tough to finish. He's only been finished three times in his career, um, but he has six decision losses, you know, and Mm -hmm. he's going up against a guy here in RDA who has 16 decision wins. (laughs) Right. Um, So, you know, if it goes long, you know, or into a decision, you'd have to favor but I mean to be fair I think RDA has like 10 decision losses as well but RDA fights typically go long because he is so tough that's why I'm saying this is not going to be easy for Luke Mm -hmm. I don't think Um, but I absolutely think RDA will or I do think the RDA will be able to possibly wrestle and grind out a win here against Luke I see that being a possibility Mm mm-hmm um, but I still don't think uh, the welt- uh, that welterweight is RDA's best uh, division, in my opinion. Kind of as you mentioned there, um, he is just 5-4 and four as a welterweight. So just above 500. Um, and all of his losses are against top guys who are on the same level as I believe Luke A to be. You know, mm-hmm. your Colby. You know, just kind of that upper echelon. You know, when you, you look at the guys he has beat, it's, it's kind of more mid-tier guys. But I think it's all guys who I see being a little bit below Luke A in the tier system, so to speak. Right. Um, and one thing that also stands out for me to Luke with Luke as well is this guy's only 31 years old, um, which is nuts. Uh, we probably still haven't seen Luke even in his prime yet, you know. Mm-hmm. So I do think he is a guy who's continuing to improve, and I actually love that he took the time off. I know you just kind of mentioned that there. I like it. After getting finished for the first time against Jeff Neal, that time I'm sure not only allowed him to heal physically and mentally from that fight, but also give him time to get better. And I think also that's something that we don't see enough at times, yeah. right? You know, and that's maybe a fighter who loses two or three straight, and instead of you know just rolling it into the next fight, they hit the pause button and say, "Hold on, let me take a step back, let me figure mm-hmm. this thing out," right? Um, you know, we and, and I know a lot of that's money and opportunity, and I get that side of it as well. Um, but for him to be able to take that year off and 
like I said, let the body and stuff recover, I think is important and mm-hmm. mentally as well. Cause when you go as long as Vincente Luque has and not get finished, I'm sure that has a little bit of effect this late right. in your career. You know what I mean? Um, I think he's going to be re-energized. I think he's going to be recharged. Um, he's, an absolute finisher is yeah. Vincente Luque. Jeez, man. Yeah, that's all it is. And I think that's what he's going to do here. Uh, so I will take Vincente Luque. What round did you say? Uh, third, I believe. That's what I actually wrote down. That's crazy. <laughs> I had third round TKO. Uh, I'll go one later. RDA is tough, so I'll say fourth round TKO. I could see him getting him out of there in the first, though, Yeah, too. man. He's just he's a finisher. That and, like you said, taking the time. And, you know, the Bilal fight was probably disappointing because, you know, yeah. it, I remember we leaving that. I was like, he lost, but maybe he didn't have his best showing. And then to get finished by Jeff Neal, you know, taking that time to say, okay, by Jeff yeah, Neal. how do I get back to where I was before Bilal? When you're yeah. talking about the Chiesa fight and the Woodley fight, those yeah. that version of him, hopefully he's able to refine that for sure. And only 31. That's crazy. And he came off the Ultimate Fighter, correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, that uh, he came off that top team versus Black Zillion season mm-hmm. with uh, Usman was in there, uh, or Usman came off that season as well. They were Black Zillion teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's crazy. And then what's crazy, if I remember, he was like the lowest seated guy on that season, and everybody thought he was just kind of a, a stinker. Right. Like he was wasn't. If I remember, it's I feel like it's like a filler guy. Yeah, I think I don't think he was very highly rated coming into it, but he was just kind of this quiet Brazilian dude that just was like killing people. Yeah. Once the season started, <laughs> it was like holy cow, man. Yeah, if he if he can get back to form, I mean, he makes the top of that welterweight division even more interesting. I think I was I said, that's what I when I saw thirty one, you know, RDA's thirty eight for reference. Um, so not you know terribly, you know, he's getting up there. And, you know, both guys like RDA and Luque in fighting years, they're probably like 40 and 50. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, I do think there is a lot of time still left for Luque at 31. Yeah, to I get think RDA better. has like 13 or 14 more fights than him. So, yeah. I mean, there's definitely room. And you're talking about a guy who gets a lot of finishes. So there's, yeah. these aren't these long, drawn out, right. you know, back and forth fights. He's getting people out of there. Or, I mean, recently he got put out of there for the first time. But. Yeah. But credit to RDA. Like I said, the reason I think he's had this longevity is he's found the wrestling late in his career. Mm-hmm. So he's not a recruiting as much damage probably and he's you know utilizing his energy a little better so john let us know get us set up for our co-main event all right the other fight we're going to be featuring on this card is a featherweight banger as one of the most notable veterans in the division cub swanson takes on canadian striker hakeem dawadu cub hasn't fought since losing to jonathan martinez in october of 2022 Uh, he's won three of his last five with some nice wins over darren elkins and daniel pineda um Looks to determine what his role is going to be in this division, having beat some tough mid-tier guys but losing to the guys that are on their way up. As for Hakeem, he has alternated wins and losses as of late, his most recent fight being a decision loss to Giuliani Rosa. Uh, But in that fight, in that third round, he was really putting it on Rosa and had a chance to try to get to the win. Um, He also has a decision loss to Mavzari Volov. Um, Couldn't deal with the wrestling, but once again in that fight, he was able to hurt Mavzari in there. So he's having these uh, chances in his fights, but just hasn't been able to get to uh, the W. Um, But before that, Ivolov lost. He'd won five in a row. Um, Dawadu will look to get back to his winning ways, and although Cub would be a great name on his resume, we've seen that Cub is still very much a tough out. Absolutely. Who are you taking? I like Hakeem in this one, man. I think that he's made, he's had very, like I said, and even in his losses recently, he's had moments in them to where he could have won it if he would have turned that on earlier. So I think he starts early, and I think that, and he does a really good job of getting up even if he does get taken down in Cub, although he has great jujitsu, isn't probably going to be looking to do a lot, a lot of just straight up wrestling. Um, and real fun fact about Dawadu, real quick, he has a fight against Matt Malak or Mike Malak. Mm. Mike Malak made 145 at one point. Yeah. To see him now at 170 is crazy. Yeah. But I just, going through uh, Dawadu's just last recent fights, I just feel like um, he's just just missing putting everything together. And I think somebody like Cub allows him to do that, to use that stand-up and that striking more. So I'm going to take Dawadu, and I will say by uh, third-round TKO. Yeah, this is a tough one for me because at one point I really thought Dawadu was going to be a legit featherweight contender. He was ranked inside the top 15, um, and now we just haven't seen a consistent run of form lately from him. He's coming off that loss, like you said, to Juicy J, and I didn't think he looked great in that fight until that last round where he started turning it on a little. I think he looked a little sluggish. Um, If I remember, I believe he missed weight in that fight as well, Mm -hmm. Um, came in quite heavier than the 45-pound limit, Um, and I felt like Arosa was a guy that Hakeem Dawadu 
Dawadu should be beating at this mm-hmm. point. You know, no disrespect to Juicy J, but I just feel like Dawadu, I just had it. Like I said, I really thought he was going to be a contender. But then you have Cub, who's coming in. Absolute legend. Obviously doesn't need to be said. Um, but we've seen a couple weird finishes here lately. Body kick TKO. Leg kick TKO. Uh, so then you wonder, is the body starting to go a right. bit for Cub Swanson? You know? But I think in this spot, in a co-main event, I have to go Cub Swanson here. Um, I think Hakeem is really good and a technical striker, so I don't think it'll be in Cub's best interest uh, to get get into a back-and-forth technique battle because I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to win that against Hakeem. But I think if Cub makes it dirty, gets on the inside, uses the striking to get to the takedowns, he can get this fight down. Um, the grappling continues to be a struggle for Dawadu. And I think Cub, who is a BJJ black belt, as you mentioned, um, could look to exploit that a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Dawadu, um, he has finishing power, I'll say, but he hasn't. we haven't seen it as of late. Um, right. I'm banking on Cub's chin holding up here, moving back up to 145 pounds uh, from his last fight against Jonathan Martinez. Um, Hakeem has never been finished on the feet, uh, so I think Cub wins, and I will say best play here is probably by decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not mad at that. Um, I'm just kind of going off of the the bright spots that we have seen, even in the losses from Hakeem and Cub, just like you said, kind of seemed like he's deteriorating a little bit and being harder to stand up to some of these big strikers who can land. Yeah. John, let's get into the news. Going on the news. Uh, going on the news. Uh, uh. And if you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. <laughs> All righty. Um, Kelvin Gastelum, slated to fight Shavkat Rachmanov, is out against their fight after getting a bad cut on his nose after eating a spinning elbow in training. Uh, there's not yet been any word on a new opponent for Shavkat um, and if he and Calvin or if he and Calvin will be rebooked although Rachmanov has called for them to be rebooked for 294 in Abu Dhabi sucks man for yeah. Shavkat but I mean you, you, can only do, you can't do anything about that if you're him and nobody really wants to fight him so who knows um, yeah. when he'll step and get something um, some fun fight announcements Magomed Ankalaev will be facing Johnny Walker at UFC 294 in Abu Dhabi and Jonathan Martinez will be fighting Adrian Yanis in October. Uh, definitely a sleeper there. Yeah. Um, fight results from around different organizations. 1FC had an event in Bangkok that had some great fights. Amongst those, Mikey Musumeci defeated Jared Brooks um, by submission. I think they called it a reverse triangle armbar. Yeah, it was pretty funky, but man, Mikey is just... Uh, yeah, dude. Definitely one of the best grapplers in the world right now. I mean, just continues to make it look easy, honestly. Well, I think he's kind of running into a similar thing like Inouye does in boxing, where being smaller, there's not these big names for yeah. you to get, but you just keep on running through everybody who's there. So eventually he's going to have to go against somebody yeah. you know, decently bigger than him and take a chance if he wants to keep getting names. Otherwise, he's just going to keep on running through these guys. Yeah, expect, well, especially MMA guys. Yeah. I mean, they just don't really stand a chance, right? If you're not doing hours and hours of grappling a day. I mean, Mikey's not striking. I, I don't know. He has kind of teased a little bit about wanting to do some MMA. So maybe Mikey is starting to strike, um, which is so crazy to think about. Like, when you look at a guy like Mikey, I just cannot imagine him getting in, like, a mixed martial arts fight. But if you look at how he approaches jiu-jitsu, mm-hmm. um, man, he could be, like, a wizard. If he takes that same discipline to, like, striking, I mean, <laughs> it's just crazy to imagine this guy, like, out here knocking people out. But it wouldn't surprise me either. Well, even that, you see the success of, like, a Gary Tony or somebody yeah. like that who can get enough of it to get to that X factor of the jujitsu yeah. where if he grabs a hold of anything, it's probably a wrap for you. Yeah, but at this point, you know, anytime he's in there with these MMA guys, it's just, they, they don't, they're good grapplers, right. but they're just not on that. I mean, there's just levels in jujitsu like anything else. And I mean, this guy's just, drilling stuff literally drill i mean he, that's what he does he drills for hours a day so Just pasta pizza and drilling man. yeah um john lineker won his uh catchweight fight via knockout in the very last second yeah uh time was running out lands a huge left hand gets the finish yeah and tyra Tolo winning via um submission kind of, with a weird tap yeah. non-tap while attacking a leg and then immediately getting the choke like tapped a big him brother. twice yeah weird i've never i was just so weirded out by just the slap in the butt when he starts attacking your leg it I think it hurt. Yeah. I, I think he tapped. He's like, ah, I think it was like a, right. oh, dang. Like and a then, reactionary thing. And then the way it kind of stopped and the ref didn't step in, I think he was just kind of like, uh, you know, all right. And then I thought it was funny how Ty just like big brother, just like, mm-hmm. all right, it's, this is done now. And just like jumped on him and finished him. Right. And for Ty, this is him getting back to people more his size where DeRitter was a lot bigger than him, you know, getting to this and then getting the finish. Um, another guy who obviously has talked about MMA. So Yeah, I don't think he's – 
the when when Ty okay so like when Cade won his last one and he talked about MMA, I got the vibes of Cade really wants to fight MMA bad. Like I wouldn't be surprised if that's the next competitive setting we see Cade Ruotolo in. When Ty says it, I feel like it's just more like, yeah, definitely for sure MMA one day. But I don't yeah. think Ty's is like big on the MMA. Right. Like Kate is like, you can tell that dude's ready to punch somebody. Ty's kind of more like a Gordon where it's like, oh, well, I might flirt MMA, but yeah, I got to wait till I feel good about what I've done in this. Yeah, or. and then um, obviously they, they are going to create a 185-pound title for Ty, essentially. That was mm-hmm. announced after as well. They're going to give him a title shot. Um, he called out some interesting people. I just can't remember. I know one was Isaac Michelle. And he called out somebody else that he said, was it a Gordon guy? Uh, I cannot remember. He'd said one more name. Mm -hmm. um, But I remember both of them being like, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Because, again, man, like this Daggy Arsalanaliv or whoever, this Daggy guy, that his name is literally Daggy, although I believe he was Turkish. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they're just MMA guys that are going against these jujitsu guys. And it's still fun to see. I right. love watching these. One does a phenomenal job with the grappling, but the guys that Ty mentioned are like actual real jujitsu dudes. That's mm-hmm. like going to be really high level, like legitimate stuff. So like, like Mikey defending his submission flyweight title against Jared Brooks, who's the, the flyweight MMA guy. Mikey's going to usually win that right. 10 out of 10 times probably. So I'm glad hopefully, and I hope they do give Ty another jujitsu guy. Um, so yeah, good, good win for Ty there. Um, also you had Buchecha. Yeah. Buchecha uh, lost his him match. Him in that, was it Khan or Kane? It was Kane. Ruegre, Ru- Omuar. I it was like R U E G or that something like that. That thing was crazy. That yeah. fight was wild. I've never end. seen guys who stand in a bar gets to like the last 15% oh. after the first round and then somehow they still finish the fight. Absolutely. Um, but I mean, great card, great Muay Thai fights on there as well. The cool thing about one is that the fact that they do multiple sports. So they do MMA, uh, kickboxing, Muay Thai, and. Um, uh, Jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Like, every fight's a title fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it's kind of cool. Like, you know, yeah. every fight's usually meaningful. And, man, you get so many fast finishes. And you and get to mix, man. You get yeah. to put your MMA champ against the jiu-jitsu. You've done, you know, Muay Thai against MMA and stuff like that. Uh, moving into PFL, Jesus Pinedo wow. gets the TKO win over Bubba Jenkins to advance to the featherweight finals. Um, obviously what about, yeah, Bre- Brendan Lognane and now Bubba Jenkins, what a back-to-back run for Pinedo. I mm-hmm. mean, unreal. This guy just kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, well, that's a little bit of a, uh, um, he came off their challenger series, a I theme to this card. It yeah. seems like, um, also in that, um, that bracket, Gabriel Braga wins via split decision to earn the shot, uh, in the final. So that's, our, that's our matchup for that yeah. one. Um, Josh Silveria. Silvera. Yeah, Silvera wins by TKO to advance to the light heavyweight finals. He will be facing Impa Kasanganai. 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 Okay. Impa Kasanganai, uh, who wins and continues his crazy climb with a TKO upset over Martin Hamlet. Huge right hand. So, yeah. So, like, for a little context, um, what what a I don't even know how to word it for PFL. What a like just game changer for their light heavyweight division. You know, we talked about it earlier. This PFL light heavyweight tournament was really demolished mm-hmm. after like the first or second week. You know, all their big names, Christoph Shako and Thiago Santos, their two UFC guys they brought in this season, uh, both failing for Rob Wilkerson. And then their last year's champ, Rob Wilkinson, failing. So right off the bat, um, this this 205-pound division was really demolished. Um, guys like Ty, you know, Ty Flores and stuff, people getting chances to step in. Um, but now to have like a guy like Impa, who, I mean, he kind of talked about in his post fight, was sleeping in his car last year, mm-hmm. um, and now he's about to fight for a million dollars. And then Josh Silvera, who Josh is the son of Conan Silvera, who UFC or MMA UFC legend. Um, I mean, this is just like what a home run! Yeah, way to um, way to rebound, the, man. The, yeah, the the Kasanganai, that story is going to sell itself, and that's a, just a phenomenal story. Um, and then to beat a guy like Martin Hamlet, who, uh, you know, once Wilkinson went out, I think most people saw Martin Hamlet as like, oh, he's probably going to win this thing. And uh, man, what a uh, final that that they got set up there. And then for you know Braga and Pinedo, that's going to be a fantastic <laughs> matchup. Yeah. And these guys, most of these guys, I think they said three out of four of them coming off of their challenger series, Mm -hmm. which is kind of like the contender series. So 
essentially like at the beginning of these PFL seasons, some guys, your bigger names, they get invited and put into the bracket, and then they do a contender series or a challenger series mm-hmm. where it's kind of tournament tournament based, and then whoever wins that, you get a spot in the season tournament. Right. Um, and here you have three out of the four guys uh, that come off of that get, get through the playing are in the, in the finals, which is just I mean, imagine somebody coming off of like Dana White contender series, and then four fight later, four fights, six fights later, they're fighting for a UFC title in a million dollars like it's crazy and the, and the way they're doing it man yeah to get that kasong and i that that not that was like off the old like fight night games where you could like punch somebody as he's falling yeah and then he got he got up and kind of argued a little bit it was like man you were out before you hit yeah. the mat man what a story impa is and, and josh silvera man i really like josh silvera and cool story with him like i said with his dad and stuff there uh like I said, Conan is also, uh, you see him in a lot of, he's uh, one of the head trainers at ATT. So mm. you see him in all those guys' corners usually. Um, but yeah, man, what a what a home run. I just wanted to get that out there for PFLs. What a home run yeah. this ended up being for a light heavyweight division that got murked at the yeah. beginning. And I mean, to add on to the great PFL news, they did announce that they'll be signing undisputed world championship boxer Amanda Serrano to their PFL MMA uh, pay-per-view super fight division. Um, which I, I wasn't sure if it was going to be for potential boxing matchups, but they per their website, it was called, they said it was PFL's MMA pay-per-view superweight division yeah. or super fight division. So huge one for them, especially as they try to, you know, start working into to get these super, that super fight division even solidified. Yeah. You know, they've talked about it. We don't have a lot of names to it yet, but now we have Jake Paul, Francis Ngannou, and Amanda Serrano. So that's huge for them. Yeah, she's had, she's a boxer. If you don't know who Amanda Serrano is, she actually just boxed last night on the Paul Diaz card, which we're getting ready to talk about. Um, and she's under Jake, uh, Paul, like mm-hmm. his management and stuff. And yeah, she just murked some weight, that Hardy girl last night. And they were like friends too. So it was she's, like, a, she just recently boxed Katie Taylor as yeah. well. So she's a big deal in the women's boxing realm. I mean, this is like Holly Holm, Kayla Harrison, like right. a specialist type stuff coming into the sport. Ronda Rousey. Um, it'll be interesting. They think they said on the broadcast last night for the Paul, uh, Diaz that she's had MMA fights. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So um, that'll be interesting to see as yeah. well. But um, gives them a, a big, big name when they need it. Yeah. Um, but, but get us to the big news. Right. So in the boxing news, Jake Paul defeating Nate Diaz by unanimous decision Saturday night. Jake won eight of 10 rounds on one judges, nine and 10 out of the other or out of, out of the other two. Uh, before the fight, Jake Paul did challenge Nate to a $10 million MMA fight following their boxing match. Afterwards, it seemed like Nate was interested in uh, getting a chance to get his win back over Paul. Uh, even and then their fight at one point, Diaz did try to did get uh, Paul in a guillotine for a few uh, seconds. He said it was Jake Paul said it. he was like, dude, he was literally choking me. Like <laughs> yeah. it was in. Yeah, no, look, I, I mean the fight itself is what it is. Um I thought it was fun. It, it was fun. You know, it got funner. You yeah. know, that first round, I'm like, oh, boy, Nate looks like a guy that's never boxed a day in his life. I mean, it was just not looking good. So the fact that this went to decision was a bit shocking. And Nate had some fun moments there in the mm-hmm. end. And I told you, I said, Nate Diaz, there needs to be a case study on how this guy loses fights but never really loses. All he has to have is a moment. Yeah, and, like, his moment was, like, eating that, too, and then, like, kind of walking off, like, sh- and then, like, coming back at him, yeah. flexing, and, and then the guillotine. And it's, like, it, like going back to the Leon fight. Like, you're coming right. off this Leon fight, like, dude, you just beat one of the, like, who now is, like, the best welterweight currently and like you're still thinking like oh dude a little bit more time and nate's gotta find his right i mean it's just well in that seventh round he was actually putting it on jake and if you like i mean we talked about you know 30 45 more seconds jake would have been holding on for his life but then jake was able to come back and get it um, yeah they asked him what he thought about the the MMA fight, and he was just like, he's what he say is like, so I got I had, a single leg in the first and a choke in the ninth. So we already know how that's gonna go right. or something like that. But look, man, I know this is. Hey, I would love to see it. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a real, you know. But Jake keeps saying it. Um, there's a market for it is what I was going to say, but Jake keeps saying in the PFL and the PFL, cause Jake Paul is like some part of the ownership or something right. there with the PFL. The problem is I'm going to be willing to bet everybody hate to play spoiler, but I'm pretty sure that the UFC is still going to hold Nate Diaz's MMA rights. Um, so I don't see how that happens unless this is finally the one where Dana wants to cross promote, uh, with the PFL. Uh, but I don't think that'll be the case. See, I thought that he was out, Scott Free because he had talked about Bellator and some oh, of these did other he ones. Out yes. his yeah. Oh, see, so this is available because remember he yeah. was like, oh. you know, I might go over here and do this. I'll be back at the UFC at some point. Yeah. We'll so it. if he fights Jake Paul in PFL, he of course Dana's gonna. His, did he fight out? His yeah. 
He did. You're right. Because then Dana's going to, I mean, if he fights Jake Paul. Yeah, that changes everything. You still bring him back for Connor or something I like even, that if it comes there. But I didn't even, yeah, that that changes everything. Yeah, I mean, if you're Nate Diaz, if this $10 million thing is real, I mean, dude, you 100% take that fight to go choke out, you know, right. Jake Paul and for $10 million. Because I, I do think that that fight would probably even still favor Nate at 40 years old or right. whatever. It, you know, it'd just be a really tough fight for Paul. Because you could see, man, like, especially when they were in tight, right? And Nate's doing that classic Stockton boxing thing. And it was just funny because the boxing commenters like, he doesn't really turn punches over. He's just kind of <laughs> slapping. And it's just like, you guys have no idea. Yeah. He's literally finished guys like Gray Maynard. Like this, they just overwhelm people and pepper right. them with strikes. You know, that's what they do. Um, but they just didn't know. And, but in the MMA, that tight, I mean, dude, there's clinch. I mean, there's so much more that Nate could have done. Leg kicks, oh, I mean, dude, body well, kicks. Nate's not really a big kicker, Well, I'm just saying, but, but if you know somebody isn't versed in that. Yeah, I still think he would just whoop him, Get though. to that single leg, take his back, yeah. choke him out. It'd be fun, though. So, yeah, I mean, if you're Nate, you do it. But he did all week say he's going back to the UFC after this. So, we'll see how real the $10 million is. That's a lot of money. Right. Um, and it's going to depend on that. Also, I don't know if you saw, but Nick interviewed afterwards. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, they interviewed him after the fight. Uh, I mean, it was the most Dick Nick, Nick Diaz interview ever. Um, I almost said Dick Diaz. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, his gamer tag. It was funny. They asked him, you know, what do you think of your brother tonight? And he's like, I mean, he did all right. He just need to. He needs to work a little bit more. He's like, but let me say this: I'm better than both of these guys at boxing. <laughs> he's like, I know he's got a brother, so he wants to box. But I just thought it was funny. He let it be known that he was better than his brother too yeah. at boxing. So. I mean, I I would sign up to see Nick Diaz and Logan. He said Paul. he'd do it. He yeah. said he, Logan Paul. His he's uh, supposed to be announcing his opponent today. Oh, nice. Because KSI is fighting Tommy Fury, and right. Logan's going to be on the same card. And they're, I don't know if – I haven't seen anything. I don't know if they've announced it yet, but I, it is getting announced today. I haven't seen that. I did see that people are pretty much saying if KSI beats Tommy Fury, you know, that matchup between him and Jake Paul pretty much sells itself. I'd love to see it. Um, the last bit of news we have is the WBC did declare Devin Haney as the champion in recess at 135 pounds with him set to challenge Regis Progre at 140 for his title. Uh, champion in recess is kind of like the interim thing, but they don't do interims. They just make them vacate, and then when they if they do come back, they get a title shot, kind of like the Yuri thing. Um, the HBC has ordered that Shakur Stevenson is to face the highest available contender for the vacant 135-pound title, which the highest available currently is Vasily Lemonchenko. Definitely sign me up for that fight with him and Shakur Stevenson. All right. Yeah, I'm not seeing anything yet on Logan if there's been an announcement. But by the time you're listening to this, if you care, you can. I'm sure it'll be out. It's supposed to be getting announced today. I was curious to see who it's going to be. Like, right. I, I don't know who is even in that world or that realm that would make sense for him i thought that was interesting yeah at this point it's hard telling with them uh john song of the week was going to go to brandon so i'm going to defer it back to you um i was going through his playlist and i think i'm going to go roddy rich balling that is one of dj mustard plays all the time when he's pulling up i don't get it but that is very true what is your one for the people Uh, my one for the people is i actually brought it here to show you but your boy pulled an out of 10 gold disco Ilya tapio yeah yeah you showed it to me and uh i'm very hype about that i have this weird luck with getting random one or two hobby packs and hitting a gold right now so (laughs) absolutely my one for the people and i'm gonna play it is a shout out to jose ramirez uh (laughs) against tim anderson Cheeto Vera said he didn't buy a jersey. Dude, what in the world? That was hilarious. Right uh, on the button, man. You re- never see that. Yeah, so Cleveland Guardians were playing the Chicago White Sox. And Jose, if you haven't seen it, I'm sure if you if you listen or watch anything, I'm sure you've seen it by now. But Jose Ramirez slides into second. Tim Anderson tags him uh, with the ball. I didn't understand how it started. I don't understand why Ramirez got mad, but he said something to Tim Anderson. I don't know if he hit him on his back too hard. I don't know. Right. And they got up and they just like, that umpire was like, Nope. I'm out. He literally like turned around and ran. He was like Brandon at uh Fogo de Chow, just turn and ran. (laughs) Right. Uh, and then, yeah, they start throwing and Ramirez only needed one shot. Yeah, He starts winging them. And as he's getting pushed away, just lands one right on the button and Tim Anderson just just falls out. And like, couldn't even walk afterwards. They had to like help him back to the bench so i thought that was hilarious that's oh, yeah. uh that's my one for the people i don't have anything else though braves are up 2-0 right now in the third nice yeah playing the cubs today had a good back Series and forth game one, one was crazy game two was crazy for you guys so excited about it 
Alrighty, that's all we got. Make sure you come back next week. We will recap UFC Fight Night. We're probably going to have to do a game next week because uh, we'll have the kickback mm-hmm. for the big pay-per-view. UFC 292 is on the horizon, Jeez, folks. Already. It's coming quick. Get ready. <laughs> we'll see you guys next Monday. Peace. Peace.